1: and try to keep our kids, pets, and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers.
0: Molly John Fast, as as the woman on this show right now, I'm just gonna have ask you a question, just a hypothesis for you. Do you find men who are shouty and interrupty to be a politically appealing uh, sort of leader?
1: Yeah, that was not a great debate for women tonight, but I don't think Trump really gives a shit about women, quite frankly. Oh, you think? <laughs> Um, I think we should introduce our guest before we get going. We have my friend and
0: and legend in the political media world and and political strategy world, Stuart Stevens, one of my fellow pirates on the Lincoln Project Pirate Ship. We are delighted to have you with us, Stuart.
2: It's great to be here. You know, you guys are, I'm glad you invited me to the party. I was just feeling left out. Thanks for having me. Quite a night. Bad to predict, but I think that there's going to be a a big movement for Biden after this. I think Trump just came across as a total asshole and a guy that you just would not want in your face for another four years.
1: Trump's people are going to think that was a victory. I know how I felt, but I'm curious, how do you see that as a victory? I mean, you come from Republican politics and you have written extensively about this. I mean, can you give us some insight into what how you can be so quite so gaslit still?
2: I think that Trump, I think there's a certain element that he has that obviously will like it, but I think he way overplayed himself he was more trump in this than he was in any of the hillary clinton debates right and i think his strategy was to try to rat, to extend he had a strategy try to rattle biden so biden would make some colossal mistake or to just wear biden down it is exhausting to have to deal with someone who's constantly interrupting you uh, but biden hung tough in it i think if we go to the premise which i think most of us have agreed on that if this race is about trump he loses right. and this debate was about trump and i, I think that he didn't Nothing to gain voters. You know, he came into this losing Right. He needed to attract new customers. I don't see that he did that. Probably he increased some of the intensity of his support, but that's not really ever been a problem for him. Right. I mean, when you, look, when you look at these polls, like I was looking at the Monmouth poll, he had 48 percent very unfavorable. Now, he had 28 percent. Very favorable. Biden only had 17% very favorable, but he only had 32% very unfavorable. So it's kind of what you think. Trump's uh, intensity is greater. But when you have 48% very unfavorable and you go in, you just have such narrow margin to uh, a victory.
1: Our producer Jesse and I were talking before you guys came and we were talking about, he said he had watched a Hillary debate earlier and I had and I had two more recently and I was surprised Trump seemed a lot more amped up tonight.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, I go back to, you know, be- being older than you guys. In, in 2000, uh, I worked on the Bush debate prep and Bush versus Gore. Uh, we were able to And it wasn't just our spin. The way the public saw it, Gore was—if you read the Gore uh, debate—you thought he did well. But if you saw it, he was constantly sighing, condescending, Mm -hmm. eye rolling. Yeah, you just didn't like this guy. And later, you know, they—they confessed that he'd had like twelve Diet Cokes, like right before, (laughs) so he was Mm -hmm. like spun up out of his mind. And look, you compare that performance to Trump's, and and Gore
0: was charming, and (laughs) in comparison, right. I remember walking to the spin room after that and starting and and starting to work and the and that story you were talking about the guys in the in the holding room next door they thought they won and i remember i was walking around with reporters and it was just like this idea of like oh gore was so intellectual and w you know didn't know what he was didn't know the deputy prime minister of crap pakistan but the whole eye rolling and like <sighs> <sighs> It it just came across. And so I think tonight, I mean, Trump was sweaty and he was constantly squinting and jittering. And I'm not going to stop laughing about this. Someone sent me a clip of the Frank Luntz focus group of tonight. and Frank, whatever. But this woman said, oh, I was undecided before, but now I'm going with Biden. Trump acted like a crackhead.
1: (laughs) I know you guys have had to deal with this before, but like this is the terrible conclusion of anti-intellectualism trumpism right in some ways as someone myself who has who has you know pondered the values of anti-intellectualism in my youth but i do see this as like the logical conclusion to that right is that we have somebody who's so untethered to intellect
2: as is covid i mean covid covid 19 is is the logical conclusion to a party that became anti-intellectual anti-science anti-truth mm-hmm. And uh, had a fundamental uh, distrust that government could do any good. Yeah. You put that together and you end up with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Yeah. It's not hype. It's not theoretical.
1: It's also the nihilism of Mitch McConnell and Trumpism. Because, like, even when he got up there today, he was like, and I got all those judges. I got you guys all those judges. But he doesn't realize he got Mitch McConnell and Republican donors as judges. The average person doesn't care about a federal judge.
2: No. And a good test to that is, you know, I think judges is something that conservatives have learned to say do because it's socially acceptable and it's a justification to vote for guys who are racist. Right. You know, you can't very well say, well, look, I really like the guy. He's a racist. And we got these judges, too. You know, you just say, well, we're all conservative judges. But ask somebody next time they say that to you. That's OK. That's good. So what in, in the last, say, 10 years, what are the top five Supreme Court decisions you think were really important? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, well, it, was, was, uh, it was the decision of Cook versus Antifa. <laughs>
2: They can't tell you, is the
0: Supreme Court the size of a, of
2: a, a basketball team or
0: uh, a baseball <laughs> team? They have no idea. You know, Stuart, I mean, I know we were talking about this a few minutes ago, but I think the the closing of the, of the debate tonight, where Trump both said, I'm not going to accept results I don't like, and also sent out every opportunity. He had every opportunity in the world to deny and decry white supremacy tonight, and of course, Neither of us were shocked that he punted that ball and in fact gave the Proud Boys a big boost like they've never had before.
2: There's what's right morally and there's what's, you know, right politically. And I think he was wrong on both counts. Yeah. All this industry of why Trump won in 16. On one basic level, he won because he ran in a year in which a Republican could win with 46.1%. Romney lost at 47.2. So why did that happen? It happened because Third-party vote doubled from 12 to 16. Well, that's not going to happen this year. But non-white vote, primarily African-American vote, declined for the first time in 20 years. And man, I can't think of a, of a greater get-out-the-vote effort for African-Americans to vote against Donald Trump than have him up there talking about the Proud Boys.
1: I mean, and white supremacists. And white yeah. supremacy, yeah.
2: and you know when Biden speaks to this stuff about justice, I, I, I really. I I think as like a white Mississippian, I hear that and it seems, you know, I'm I'm for that. But when I talk to my African-American friends, what it means to them is like on another whole level. I mean, to have a presidential candidate up there saying... Uh, that there's a systematic racism in America. Yeah. Did even Obama ever say that? I'm not sure.
1: You know, what's so funny is I interviewed Mike Espy today. Ah, yes. And he's unbelievable. I mean, the man is unfucking believable And he was telling me about his growing up with Jim Crow. And I mean, I got chills. Like, it was so... I do think there's there's a force in this country that wants social justice, you know, that wants equality for everyone. I think Biden taps into it really well.
2: Yeah. And look, just look at the the, the change that's happened in this country. You know, it was a few years ago when Trump was down in Alabama campaigning for Rory Moore and called out the protesters in the NFL for kneeling saying, get these sons of bitches off the field. Right. You know, doing that where you literally could have walked from where he was speaking in Alabama to where, you know, African-Americans were lynched to what happened now. I mean, he's in a cultural war with NASCAR because NASCAR is ordered the taking down of Confederate flags, and Trump opposes that.
1: Right.
2: And look, you have whole baseball teams that are kneeling. I mean the Ole Miss Florida game, both sides kneeled. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that was the Stalingrad of cultural wars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then you've never seen it. I mean it's just amazing. So I, I, just, I just think it's a total miscalculation of where the country wants to be. And Mike Espy, you probably had a Mississippian to get this, but the Espys are really an extraordinary family in Mississippi. They've played such a positive role, not to mention that his son was a great football player for Ole Miss, but they, they really are. And, uh, you know, I, I worked for Republican governors, senators, congressmen in Mississippi, but I, I'm for Mike Espy. I'm going to send the guy some money. I, I hope he wins.
0: We're going in there. We're, go- we're going to help the guy because it, it is also a state that does not have a lot of expensive media running. Yes. in Yes. Right. So we, we think we, can, we think we can do what we did in Alaska, uh, which is to start and catalyze a boost for, for for Mike Espy down there, and it's the right it's the right thing to do.
1: And he's only down one point against Cindy Hyde Smith. So
0: Mike Espy also wins the vital. Um, I don't want to be embarrassed by a lunatic demo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, I have a question for both of you, which I think is ultimately the question that media is going to have to ponder f- for the next w- week and a half or two weeks b- before the next debate, which is and and I sort of knew this was going to happen, even though Chris Wallace is very respected. What happened tonight, what Chris Wallace did was he let Trump just do that insane stuff where he says all the lies and cites his base. And it was like, just free mainstream media advertising for his craziness. How do you—what do you do? How do you stop that?
2: Well, I think we ought to be on a, um, a move to try to give the moderators rights to cut off microphones.
0: I think we ought to have the moderators have the rights to shock collars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Taze, tasing. <laughs> We'll see what the numbers show. And I've always been bad at predicting about Trump, but I don't think people like that guy. You know, remember when Hillary Clinton uh, was running for Senate and-
3: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: It's that time of the year.
2: Who was the Republican candidate? What was his name? Who um,
0: Rick Lazio.
2: <laughs> oh, Rick, Lazio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rick Lazio came over to her and had this pledge that he wanted her to sign and was like in her face. And I remember watching that as like a Republican guy and thinking, wow, Rick's really taking it to her. And then, it, you know, it, it basically won the race to Hillary Clinton, if it was ever in doubt, because it was like, this: who is this asshole? which was just sort of a shame because Rick Lazio is not an asshole. But it was just an overplaying, and I just, you know, I think people are people, and I just, I don't think people liked what the the majority of people just, like I said, they wouldn't want to sit
0: next to that guy on a plane. I kept looking at it tonight, and... I noticed one important thing from the very beginning that that was the tell on Trump. He stared at Biden like a mongoose watching a snake. He could not take his eyes off Joe Biden. He rarely looked up. He rarely looked at Wallace. He rarely looked at the camera. He sees the man who is beating him right now. That's what he was looking at across the stage.
2: I think that they expected Biden... To well, what do they say? They said he was senile. If anybody seemed senile, I don't know. I mean, is there a difference? You can debate the merits of being a crackhead or senile. I'm not sure, but you could probably be a, <laughs> you could probably be. A, what about
0: a senile crackhead?
2: Yeah, I think you could be both.
1: But fundamentally, I mean, Trump did say that Biden said super predators, and that was Hillary, right? I mean, Trump got a lot wrong. You uh, know, wait,
0: he, wait, 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 Molly. What are you saying? <laughs> but I <laughs> mean. <Trump? laughs> Donald Trump is untethered from facts, truth and reality. Right. But
1: but I don't think there were times when he intentionally lied, which is most of the time. But the super predator thing, we know Trump thought that Biden said super predators when it was really Hillary. Like there were certain moments where you could tell he was a little off, like just confused. And so, I, I mean, I have to wonder, like Chris Christie did not kill it. Chris Christie and Rudy Giuliani did not kill it with the debate prep.
4: Oh, that dream
1: oh, team. You
2: yeah, yeah, think? You know, to kind of analyze that super creditor moment, I think it's very interesting because let's let's um, believe that. that Trump did it on purpose, knowing it was Hillary Clinton. You know, there's a classic debate trap, we call it, where you accuse the other person of raising taxes by 10 percent, knowing that they only raised them by nine and a half. So they'll come back and correct it and say, no, it wasn't 10 percent. It was nine and a half percent. You go, okay, great. So, I mean, there there was a trap there for Biden to step into. He goes, you know, I didn't say that Hillary Clinton said, which would have been a bad moment.
1: Right. It's true. But I don't think that I think Trump thought that biden said super better. i don't think trump is ever playing three-dimensional chess but i could be wrong i don't know yeah i have no i have
2: no idea i think there's some of these moments in there for biden that are going to really stand out i thought his, his response on the suburbs yeah and and when this race is arguably it's about two things it's about the the suburbs and it's about the totality of non-white vote being what percentage of that it'll be in the electorate i mean if we knew what percentage non-white vote was going to be of the electorate today i think we'd know what the race is going to i thought that was was. a very powerful response. Um, And I I thought his stuff on social justice and law enforcement was was very powerful. I don't think he alienated voters by saying it. And I think it's something that really meant a lot to
0: those that that care about that issue. I mean, one of the things I think Biden did very, very well on tonight was indicting Trump on the COVID deaths. He went right at it. Yeah. He named it. He went chapter and verse on it. And I think, you know, Trump's reaction was, I got the mess. Yeah, I got the respirators. You'd never get a respirator. I, it just was such a, it was such a pathetic and sloppy defense of his mishandling of this. And I think it was important for Biden to really hit that and hammer it home.
1: I also thought, I mean... I hate to admit—I think that misogyny plays a huge role in why Hillary Clinton lost, and you see it with Biden. People like Biden because he reads tough. You just see that he's tough with him, and people didn't—voters didn't like that with Hillary, and they like that with him.
0: And I know this is for a guy from Delaware, it doesn't really scan the same way, but Biden's a little bit of that, like, quieter cowboy who rides into town. I mean, Trump is, is a 400-pound sack of bluster, right. and and. Biden Biden came across, there were a couple moments where Biden and and, uh, our friend Sarah Linty mentioned this to me. She said that look that Biden got a couple times and he sort of looked down and closed his eyes was when that's a parent look. When your child is like out of control and you look down and count to ten before you look up again. And I I thought Biden just, he handled, he showed enough spite and enough like, shut up you're a clown stuff, without getting into the ditch with Trump and turning it into an interrupting contest.
1: I also thought he just, he was able to sort of laugh and he didn't seem angry and he wasn't reactive. And I think that helped him. The problem is you couldn't hear what he was saying a lot of the time. And I don't, you know, you're going to have to cut. I don't know how you would ever transcribe that mess.
0: Well, can I I interrupt with a counter argument to what you guys just analyzed? Dan Bongino is on Fox News and he said that Trump is the apex predator and the lion kick. (laughs)
1: I think the line of the night was, will you shut up, man? Like, that was the best line of the night to me, because we all felt it.
0: I thought the best line of the night was, wrong night, wrong guy. I mean, I felt like I felt like Biden had some heat there. The, I think the articulation of a president who would actually bring people together to handle COVID was vital.
1: Stuart, what did you think was the line of the night?
0: I
2: tell you what I think is really going to resonate with people is the way Biden defended his son. Yeah. There's a decency to that. And the, the way that he spoke about both of his sons, I, I think that really, that's the anti-Michael Dukakis moment when Michael Dukakis was asked, what would you do when Kitty was raped?
0: When Bernie Shaw asked him, what would you do if your wife was raped? Would you want the death penalty then? And Dukakis went into this went into the weeds on a policy answer.
2: Yeah, an analytical response on, on the merits of the death penalty. Yeah, where the correct answer was, fuck Yeah. <laughs> I thought Biden avoided that. I thought, I thought he showed a lot of passion with it. it is something I think will resonate with people. Look, I mean, what, what is this? Why is Trump losing? He's losing because of college educated white voters. Did, did he do anything to make a college educated white voter more like to vote for him? I don't think so. And the danger for Trump, for for Biden, I think, is that there'll be less intensity among African Americans. And I think Trump did nothing but help Biden on that front. And I think really, look, when incumbent presidents lose, they always tend to lose to someone who's the mirror opposite of that person. Yes. And I, I think Biden came across as very different than Trump tonight.
1: I think that the the kind of like Biden has these two has had Two dead children and a dead wife, and Trump is obsessed with attacking Hunter. The day after, it was revealed that his daughter took a $700,000 deduction for um, money he had given her, paid her as a consultant, and then they deducted the payment from his taxes. So he cheated. Two different ways, right, on this, because he failed to pay gift tax. And then he also deducted the thing that he should have been paying taxes on in the first place. And then he goes and attack. I mean, this sort of audacity of it is, I, I know it's Trump, but it still seems just so shocking.
2: One thing I think we haven't talked about is Trump categorically said that he paid millions in taxes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And if, <laughs> I'm, sitting
2: in the, if I'm sitting in the New York Times and I've got those documents, that's like, man, I'm going to have to, like, release this stuff.
0: Yeah. Let's yeah. just get the first pay. Right. Let's release just the clip of the payment box on line 47-whatever. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, that—that that is a high-risk gamble because you either did or you didn't. And he didn't, and we know he didn't. And I suspect that that's th- those those papers will, will see the light of day. And Trump will probably say they're Fords or something. I don't know what the hell they'll right. say. Right. Um,
0: but it won't matter. Fake, fake taxes, man. They're fake.
1: How much do you think the New York Times has? Because it seems like there are many more keyed up stories there.
2: I think they have a lot. I think somebody dumped the taxes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I think the volume of this is significant enough that, that they've got they've got the receipts. So, Stuart, was there anything that, that Biden didn't say tonight you had hoped he would get to? Look, I, I, I would have liked Biden to repeat, to
2: say more, he mentioned this once almost in passing, that you're the worst president in the history of the country. I'm standing here on stage with the worst president in the history of the United States. And I think the are you better off than four years ago argument, he made, but I think he could have made it a little more clearly. I mean, what I would say is, look, I mean, four years ago, you and I, Rick, we were against Trump. But I mean, did we ever if if we had said then, look, by the first presidential debate for his reelection, more Americans have died from a disease that was largely preventable than any uh, disease, at least in 100 years. The economy is going to be in shambles. The highest unemployment of any September that we've had a presidential debate in American history. And by the way, you can't leave the country. You can go to Serbia. <laughs> yeah, it's get, true. You can go in Europe as Serbia. Yeah, you can't right. a drive to Canada. And Canadians can't come to Florida, which is what, a $7 billion? a uh, hole in the tourist. So, I mean, had if, if we said that, people would have said that we were crackheads. Right. So it turns out, like, we are optimistic about Trump. <laughs>
1: you know, I
2: mean, it's it's much worse than we could have imagined. And, and I, I hope in the next debate that it'll
1: hit that more. Yeah. No, I hope so, too. I hope there aren't any more debates, but I think I'm alone in that. We should stop having debates. They're terrible. And Trump is insane. And he is just so destruct- destructive. And when you give him a mainstream media venue, it ends up undermining elections and civil society as a whole. Not to be a downer.
0: <laughs> you are you always the optimist. Uh, I think Biden ought to take one of those folding camp chairs, come out with a little six-pack <laughs> of whatever his beer of choice is, pop that camp chair on the stage, cross his legs, put his sunglasses on, start the first beer, go go ahead, Donald, you talk. This is nothing but up for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with the numbers. I think I think this thing is going to shift toward Biden and start to solidify
0: yeah I, I think this may be a a,
2: a cascade if afterwards. that
1: happens, do you guys think Trump decides he doesn't want to do any more debates? Like, do you see that as a possibility?
2: Oh, well, I think if you invited Trump to your kid's birthday party, he would come if the clown canceled.
1: Do you uh, remember when he used to go do you, <laughs> do you do you remember in the middle of this presidency when he used to go to random weddings?
2: Yes. 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 <laughs> I tell you, the guy, you know, I mean, he's the ultimate attention whore. I mean, yes. he'll mm-hmm. show up, he'll show up. And, you know, he's surrounded by people who are going to tell him that he won. And because they won a race that people said they couldn't win, they're never going to believe they're going to lose this race. They think they're bulletproof. And, and that, you know, as, as a consultant, I always liked working for a client who had lost because they understood they could lose.
0: Right. Yeah, you learn more from losing than winning. Well, to to interject on that note, the CNN instant poll just said that sixty percent Biden won, twenty eight percent Trump won. sixty percent Biden won, twenty eight percent Trump. Ouch! I got
2: four twenty five on the math SATs, but I think that's three to one.
0: Yeah, we're we're Um, a bunch. We're a bunch of humanities guys, but that's a pretty good number. Yeah,
2: uh, (laughs) two and a half to one. Um, yeah, I just uh, and you know, Trump will say that's fake news. Then you're going to start seeing these polls and it's going to be reflected in the polls. Yeah, the, the, the one I mean, the move that Trump needs to make, I think, to win is the move that he's incapable of, which is to say, give me a second chance. There are things I've done that I think are good for the country, but I have let you down in certain areas. I've learned a lot. And, you know, Americans are incredibly forgiving. They love to give people second chances, but you can't stay at the bar ordering another round and saying that, you know, forgive me for drinking you got to at least pretend to go to Betty Ford. And, and Trump's just incapable. <laughs> he's, absolutely, he's absolutely incapable. And, and so he's trapped in this own little box of his,
0: of his own personality. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from the Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from the Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science, who will help us understand what's happening to our country